Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 15. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. So notice the Jewish religious leaders were interrogating him and even spitting upon him and beating him throughout the night. Then in the morning, now they're going to deliver him over to Pilate, who is a Roman governor of sorts. And so it says, they delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. Notice Jesus will not say, I am like that. He's saying, it is as you say. He's really trying not to promote himself or to make statements about who he is, because in this first coming, he's not here to be the glorious reigning king. He's here to give his life a ransom for many. But nonetheless, when they're asking these questions, are you the Messiah? Are you the king of the Jews? The truth is he is. Okay, verse three, and the chief priest accused him of many things. Of course, this is before Pilate, the Roman governor here, accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he was accustomed, Pilate was, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. So here's a rebellious murder, uh, a rebellious murderer. And it says, Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them, release a prisoner. But Pilate answered them, and Pilate sees this as an opportunity to release Jesus. So Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. So notice, Pilate is trying to work the crowd here. Pilate is trying to bypass the chief priest, the religious Jewish leaders, go directly to the mob, the crowd of people, and to get them to say, let Jesus go, let him go. So because he knew the chief priests were merely jealous and envious of Jesus because of his crowds and popularity and such. So verse 11, but the chief priest stirred up the crowds. See, Pilate's working the crowds, but so are the chief priests. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that, uh, so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And you almost get the impression that Pilate was thinking, well, I'll release both of them. So once again, it says, so, so they cried out again, crucify him. Boy, the chief priests were effective in persuading the crowd to hate Jesus and want to kill Jesus. Verse 14, 
Then Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? You'll notice that Pilate was finding no fault in Jesus and wanting to release him. He said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, in other words, set him free, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified, after he had scourged him. This is Roman flogging. This is not just a normal whip. This is a what would be known as a cat of nine tails, nine strands of leather coming out from a leather handle. And at the end of those leather straps would be small, sharp bits of bone, glass, or metal. And so they scourged Jesus with this, just ripped him uh, to shreds, so to speak. And so it goes on to say, Then the soldiers led him away uh, into the hall called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. Here, Now here's the whole garrison of Roman soldiers. And they clothed him with purple. <coughs> Excuse me. Now what does that mean? Purple was the color of royalty. So they're going to make fun of him now. He's the so-called king of the Jews, so they're going to put some purple on him and make fun and mock him as if he's a king. Of course, they don't believe that he's a king. So they clothed him with purple and twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. This is all sarcasm. Uh, then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. Notice they, they struck him. It wasn't just one Roman soldier. It's this whole garrison gathered around. They struck him on the head. They spat on him. So all these big soldiers spitting on him. You can imagine how horrific and humiliating this is. It goes on to say, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. That doesn't mean that they were literally worshipping him, but they were getting down as if to worship him. And it goes on to say, and when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and let him out to crucify him. They're just having some fun amongst themselves with this Jew, as they would think. But this Jew is, is not just a normal Jew. This is the Messiah. And not only that, this is creator God. Oh, he was right there with God in the beginning, creating all things. Do you remember John 1, 1 and verse 2? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So this is creator God here. They don't realize it. And, of course, that's why later Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't realize who I am. They don't realize what they're doing. So it goes on to say in verse 21, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. Now, where would he be from if he was a Cyrenian? Well, he would be from modern-day Libya. And so it says, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Here's just a man with his two boys traveling, but they picked him. Let me tell you, he didn't realize, no doubt, what he was doing. But, oh, did he do <laughs> a favor for the Son of God to carry that cross for him the rest of the way to Calvary, to Golgotha. Verse 22. And they brought him to the place Golgotha or Golgotha, 
which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not drink it. Now, why didn't he drink it? Because this was a painkiller. And he he was refusing to take any uh, sedation whatsoever, any pain medication, because he was there to carry the full load of sin for you and me. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. The third hour. Well, in Jewish time, the third hour would be counted from six in the morning. That'd be ground zero, so to speak. And you count up three hours to nine o'clock. So he's crucified about 9 a.m. And it says, now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So Jesus was crucified in the center. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. These were these are Old Testament prophecies hundreds of years before the Holy Spirit shared with various prophets little bits and pieces of how this thing would play out. And one of the prophecies was that when he came and he died, he would be numbered with the with the transgressors. So these are criminals. And he's killed as if he's a criminal. But let's be clear, he is not. He did not even commit one sin, much less a crime. And so it goes on to say in verse 29, and those who passed by blasphemed him, blasphemed him. Didn't just criticize or belittle him. They blasphemed him. In other words, they're saying things that are derogatory, as if you're not the son of God. You're not who you say you are. And it was blasphemy. Wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. You see how cruel, how sarcastic they're being? Goes on to say, likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, this is Messiah, let the Messiah, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who crucified him, reviled him, talking about uh, uh, those, excuse me, who were crucified with him, reviled him, talking about the thieves up on the cross. And another gospel brings out that one of them was really giving him a hard time, but the other thief was telling the one on the opposite side, hey, this guy didn't do anything wrong. Why are you criticizing him? We're dying because we committed crimes, but he didn't commit any crimes. So one thief actually took up for Jesus. And then he said to Jesus, he said, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Do you remember that? So that shows us that even down to the final hours or time that you're here on earth, you can still be saved by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 33, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, now the ninth hour would be counting once again from six in the morning. The ninth hour is about three in the afternoon. So it says, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran, filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. See, these people are, let's just say, clueless to what's happening in the spirit realm. They're clueless to the purpose that Jesus is dying on the cross. So they're just trying to see what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Verse 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. We know from other gospels that he cried out and said, it is finished. It is finished. And he breathed his last, his last breath. He exhaled that one last time and it was over. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Isn't that interesting? Now, Jesus is some ways away from the temple, just outside the city gates. And inside the city gates was the temple uh, where the presence of God would have been. And the veil that separated the holy of holies from the holy place ripped in two from top to bottom, almost as if you'd take a piece of paper and you just rip it right down the middle. It's as if God ripped the veil. And now there's not a veil between the holy of holies and the holy place. Well, what did the veil represent? Well, the book of Hebrews tells us, tells us that the veil represents the flesh of the Lord Jesus. And so here, now, because of the death of Jesus, there's going to be access into the Holy of Holies. Isn't that powerful? And there doesn't have to be that wall of separation anymore. So it says the veil was torn in the temple from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, listen to this, here's a centurion, Roman. Truly, this man was the Son of God. Boy, that Roman, no doubt, had crucified many people. And he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and, and of Joseph, and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, talking about the preparation day for unleavened bread and, uh, and the preparation day for the Sabbath. This was, this was this for the Sabbath because this would have been on Friday afternoon, about three in the afternoon. And you know that uh, even today, like, for example, in Jerusalem, when you get to Friday, uh, Friday and Friday afternoon, Many people are going and, and they're shopping because they know all the markets are going to be closed on the Sabbath. And this is a real special Sabbath because it's the first day of unleavened bread. So it, it's all the more people were preparing things and such. And so it says, now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, Coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. So normally people would hang on the cross much longer than the length of time that Jesus did. You can imagine, though, the suffering that he'd been through all night and being beaten and such, and then the scourging, the bleeding and such, not to mention all the sin of the world being put on him. And so it goes on to say, uh, Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So, when he found out that the when he found out 
from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. He just wanted to make sure that he wasn't faking, it seems. So then it says, then he uh, brought fine linen, talking about Joseph of Arimathea. He brought fine linen, took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. Oh, what a precious and powerful chapter. Every time you read about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, let your heart feel it. It doesn't mean that uh, we need to, in a sense, feel guilty every time for our sin because Jesus washed away the sin and the guilt. But the appreciation, the gratitude of what he went through on our behalf, not just to pay for forgiveness, listen, to pay for eternal life as opposed to eternal condemnation and damnation. This is a precious thing that the Lord did for us. And uh, every time we read it, we ought to just stop and say, thank you, Jesus. In fact, let's do it now. Lord, we thank you for doing this. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for taking this torture. We thank you for enduring this humiliation on our behalf, completely undeserved. Uh, but you took our punishment. You took our shame. You took our sin, and you died with it, that we might be forgiven, that we might be saved, and that we might have eternal life. And we want to say thank you for doing that. We bless you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, that's Mark chapter 15. One more to go. The grand finale with the Great Commission, Mark 16. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Jerry Dearman